Our text is found in the seventh verse of Nahum 1. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. But my text, beloved, is placed against a very dark background. Jehovah, the jealous God, who burns with zeal to maintain his own holiness, is pictured in all the fierceness of his anger against the wicked. He's a God that revengeth, that is furious in his anger, that will not at all acquit the wicked. And he is the God of power who has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. The clouds are like the dust raised by his furious coming, by the hotness of his fierce anger, the seas and the rivers are dried up, and the whole world perishes at his presence and burns. Well, may the prophet then and the people of God ask, who can stand before him and before his indignation and in the outpouring of his terrible wrath? Who can abide, possibly abide, the fierceness of his anger? And then you have the words of my text. In the midst of those awfulest threatenings of vengeance and wrath and desolation, they appear as a, shing, a single bright shaft of light, unexpected, piercing the dark clouds of wrath and Vengeance, cheering us with the promise and the hope of absolute safety and deliverance. Assuring us that when the storm has accomplished its purpose, the darkness shall pass away and the light shall shine again and the people of God those who trust in him and whom he knoweth he shall still be there and shall have passed safely through all the storms of trouble 
Jehovah is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. And that's the evident intent of the words of our text, beloved, to comfort us, to give us assurance. The idea is, fear not, ye children of the Lord. Do not be afraid, ye that trust in him, for his anger does not and cannot and never will burn against you when you behold the Lord descend in his furious wrath do not be troubled do not be amazed do not let your hearts be filled with fear and anxiety and all kinds of misgivings is Jehovah and he is your God and he is good he must be the furious avenger of evil and he cannot just because he is good he cannot acquit the wicked but for the very same reason he is a stronghold in trouble's day for all that trust in him. And he can never be anything else to you. For he knoweth them that trust in him. To that stronghold in the day of trouble. We call your attention. Let us ask in the first place. What is that stronghold? In the second place. Who is that stronghold? And in the third place. For whom is that strong? The first question uh, that we face is, uh, what is meant in my text uh, by that stronghold? And therefore, uh, we must also answer the question, uh, what is meant by the day of trouble? The day of trouble. Of trouble. Uh, that term, beloved, uh, means, uh, first of all, in general, a day uh, that is characterized by trouble. A day that is so completely filled with trouble that it receives the name the day of trouble if anyone would ask you uh, to describe that day uh, you would call it uh, by that name day of trouble so filled with trouble it is and trouble and the words of our text is a word which means literally to be pressed in 
to have one's place become so crowded, so hemmed in by trouble, that it becomes very, very narrow. The day that is filled with distress, so that the text really pictures those who live in that day as being so hemmed in on every side by calamities that there's no escape. They press in upon us, those calamities, on all sides, so that you look in vain for a way out. That was the trouble that was impending at that time in the first place for the city of Nineveh, a representative of the Assyrian world power in the time of the prophet Nahum. The trouble was to come upon that mighty capital of the Assyrian world power, that representative of the anti-Christian power of darkness in that day. And it was to come from the hand of the avenger, God, the Lord, and for a description of that trouble, you need only consider the rest of the prophecy, beloved. A prophecy that literally brims over with threatenings of trouble and vengeance and desolation and wrath. Assyria and Nineveh were indeed to pass through a day that could, in the truest sense of the word, be characterized as a day of trouble. And beloved, in that particular concrete sense of the word, we too may well apply these words at the opening of this new year. There's a special meaning for us in that phrase, the day of trouble. What else is the day in which we live, beloved? From every point of view, if only we have a clear understanding of things. We perceive things, uh, not through uh, the false rose-colored glasses of the world, but if we are, as my text last night said, sober and of a sound mind, if we perceive things as they really are, 
then we can see nothing but dark clouds of evil lowering overhead. Oh, really, how miserably shallow and empty is all the revelry and boasting of the world and of the men of this world on a day like today. They hail the new year and they do it as if there were any reason to expect a better world, a world of peace, a world of happiness, either in the immediate or the more distant future, beloved. How vain it appears in this year of our Lord, 1959, to say in the world, happy New Year. Was there ever an age more than ours that was characterized by the fact that the dark clouds of the tempest of war hang over it continually? Some of us have already lived through two world wars. And there has, and neither between those two wars nor since the second one ever been in the whole world any real peace. War threatens. And if it does not threaten, it actually disturbs this world. We live in a time when all the proud boastings of men are put to naught. Continually. They do not cease to boast. They do not speak cease to speak of peace and prosperity. But they do it as fools whose eyes are deliberately blinded to the facts. And once in a while there are those who from a natural point of view have enough insight to see and to predict that the very structure of civilization is tottering on its foundations. And all of man's wisdom, ingenuity, and goodwill, and purpose to build a better world, to bring peace in the place of war, to overcome the power of death, to bring happiness and prosperity, can avail nothing 
against all its trouble. There was never an age when there was more war and less peace, more discontent and less happiness, more trouble and less prosperity than the day in which we live, beloved. A day of trouble. How can we be happy and wish one another a happy new year if we really squarely face the facts of life? Is there any hope, any possible hope that that day of trouble will ever end? Is it a day or is it an endless eternity? Oh, to be sure, the present troubles with which the world is threatened it may be a dark cloud that quickly passes away. Did not all previous troubles pass away too? But even then, beloved, there is not really any reason to expect that, that there will be better days ahead. Those present troubles are in the first place uh, but the foreshadowing of more troubles. If these, if these present troubles pass away and the fears and sufferings of the moment are gone, then there will be more to take their place. Is there any hope that that series of troubles will ever come to an end? Is it not true that troubles like these are very common in the world? And is it not true, in fact, that they become more frequent and more intense as time goes on? And in general, after all, are not all these troubles but manifestations and reminders of that one great and universal trouble of sin and of death and of the wrath of God that is revealed from heaven over all the children of men and under which we pine and die? And do they not all if we only have eyes to see, foreshadow an end in that one tremendous day of trouble. That day that will be characterized by trouble as no other day was ever filled with it. The day when the wrath of God that pursues men through all history, shall finally press in upon us in all its amazing fury and press us into everlasting destruction. 
In fact, beloved, it was not the day of trouble which came upon Nineveh as the representative of the anti-Christian world power. Exactly a type of that final day. Foreshadowing of it. And is not this present dispensation as surely as Christ is coming and as surely as the power of the Antichrist continues to develop is not this present dispensation standing in the very sign of that day that day which comes with the coming of the Son of Man from heaven and does not all the trouble of our day speak the language of that great and terrible day of the Lord which shall surely be a day of trouble for the whole world. In that ultimate sense, that expression, day of trouble, means that, beloved. It points to that day of trouble. And now our text says that there is a stronghold in that day of trouble. What's meant? A stronghold is not the picture of offensive power, of the power to attack, but it's the picture of defensive power the power of safety and of refuge it is a place of shelter of protection a place where right in the midst of all that trouble surrounded by with the trouble pressing in on every side, you may find refuge. A stronghold is such a place of refuge that is impregnable, impenetrable, that in the midst of all the storms of trouble stands absolutely unmoved. It is a place in which in the midst of all those troubles, beloved, one is still surrounded by the troubles, but they cannot really touch him. He's saved. A stronghold keeps those that are within it unharmed. Whatever troubles may assail. All the fierce powers of those troubles bounce off that stronghold as though they were nothing. So that from the viewpoint of that fortress that period of trouble 
becomes nothing more than a brief day of trouble, and then it's past. Such a stronghold, beloved, is Jehovah, my text says. The good Jehovah. The only stronghold. Jehovah is good. The stronghold in the day of trouble. And he is the stronghold exactly because he is good. That in the first place. He's good. Oh, he is not good in that weak and miserable sense of the word in which men like to speak of the good Lord. Not in the weak and miserable sense of the word that he winks at sin, that he loves the wicked, the wicked and the righteous alike. And not in the sense uh, that he is uh, uh, some kind of a good old sock for everybody. He is not that, beloved. The whole context of the words of my text tells us the contrary. Jehovah's goodness is righteousness and holiness and truth. And love. That's his very being. First of all. He's good in himself. All his mind and will. All his life and activity. Considered all by himself. His pure goodness. And as he is in himself. Perfectly righteous and holy and true and just. Spotlessly pure. So he is good to all his creatures. Never any otherwise. He's the supreme goodness. He's the sole fount of all goodness. Apart from him there is no goodness. To live apart from him is death. Whatever good there may be. In the whole world. It's of him. There's no other possible source of goodness. Beside him there's no God, and beside him there is no good. Whoever is separated from that fountain of all goodness must surely die, beloved. The only thing that anyone who is separated from that fount of goodness can ever experience is trouble. Only trouble. In the second place, is that my text says Jehovah is good. It points to the fact uh, that he is good unchangeably. His name is Jehovah. He's the I am. He is, therefore, as the self-sufficient God... The uncaused cause of all goodness in himself. 
There's no other source from which he receives his goodness than himself. He's God. And because that is true, he is therefore unchangeable. And that he is unchangeable, it does not mean that he is static. No. The unchangeable Jehovah, beloved, is the ever active power of goodness. And yet, he is such an ever active power of goodness that never diminishes. You can add no goodness to him. You can take no goodness away from him. The continuously flowing fount of goodness in which there is no decrease. Now, just because of that, beloved, he is in the first place furious in his anger against all the workers of iniquity. That's his goodness. Don't say that contradicts his goodness. That's the revelation of his goodness, beloved. Negative. Nevertheless, the clear revelation of Jehovah's goodness. Because he is good, he executes righteousness and holiness. Don't you see? Because he is good, he cannot possibly tolerate the wicked. He cannot possibly love them. He cannot possibly bless them. All that that good Jehovah can ever do is pour out trouble. Trouble upon trouble. Hem in the wicked with trouble on every side. And press them by the outpouring of all those troubles into everlasting trouble of the desolation of hell. The good, the good Jehovah, beloved, pursues the wicked into hell. Must remember that. Must remember that, beloved, because the whole of my text presupposes that antithesis between those that trust in him and who know and taste his goodness and know that he is a stronghold in the day of trouble and the wicked whom he pursues in his fierce anger. Must remember that, beloved, because from that it follows that when you and I make common cause with the wicked in this present world, however that may be, in whatever sphere of life that may be, then the only 
thing that we can possibly experience is trouble. When we make common cause with the world, the only thing that we can ever experience is that the face of the Lord is against us, never toward us. The only thing that we can ever experience is that his ear is deaf to us, never open to us. Because in that same goodness, Jehovah loves the righteous. Oh yes, the righteous are those whom he chose in Christ from eternity and saw in Christ eternally as justified and perfectly righteous. The righteous are those in the second place whom he actually justified in time in the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Never apart from Christ does God love anyone, beloved. Only in Christ. The righteous are those in the third place whom that same Jehovah through our Lord Jesus Christ, draws by his almighty word of calling, draws out of darkness into his marvelous light, draws into the living fellowship of himself through his Son. And therefore, the righteous are those in the fourth place whom he also causes to be, in the actual sense of the word, righteous. He redeems them. And he forgives all their sins, holds none of them against them. And he also delivers them, liberates them from the dominion and bondage of sin and death. And by the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, he gives them the earnest desire and the striving to walk in the way of his precepts. They are the righteous. Oh, they blunder, those righteous. They oftentimes sin against him. We have not reached perfection, beloved. But we're righteous. And as righteous, we hate and eschew and fight against and struggle against and battle against evil, don't we? Even against our own evil, we humble ourselves and we repent and we seek forgiveness and we desire cleansing 
And we long for the time when our righteousness shall be perfect. Well, listen. To them, Jehovah is good. His relation is that of an everlasting covenant. For them, instead of wrath, there is in the first place blessing. They have to go through the storm. My text does not say that for this time, this present time, we'll be taken out of troubles. Oh, no. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And that means, beloved, that we, as the people of God, shall be in that day of trouble too. In fact, we shall be in it in a special measure, exactly as the people of God. The way to glory is a way of trouble. The way to glory and victory is the way of people of God who must be children of light in the midst of the darkness. And therefore, that way to glory is a way of suffering and tribulation and persecution and contempt and scorn. Must expect that. Must often suffer, beloved. Suffer for Christ's sake. But remember, in the midst of all those troubles, Jehovah is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And also as far as the troubles of this world in general are concerned. We're part, we're part of that world. We're still in it. Even though spiritually we have been delivered from it, and all the sufferings of this present time are ours as well as the world's. All the calamities that come upon this world are ours as well as the world's. We shall not escape them. But we have a stronghold in the midst of them. Not so that we need not suffer. Not so that those troubles never touch us. They must. But that stronghold is of such a character, beloved, that those troubles can never harm us. They can touch us, but they cannot harm us. They can assail us, but they cannot destroy us. They can attack us, but they cannot pluck us out of his hand. That's the victory. In fact, that stronghold is such that while we are in it, 
all those troubles of this present day of calamity must work together for our good. How safe is that refuge of almighty love, beloved? For those who trust in him, confidence, beloved, is an act of love. act of love where there is no love where there is hate there can be no trust not among men and not in relation to the Lord our God either it's the assurance that the one in whom we trust loves us Oh, yes, we love him too. But our love is never anything more than a response to his love. And the basis of our confidence, beloved, is that he loves us. In the second place, confidence is the assurance that that one who loves us and who is our stronghold never changes. That he never turns away from us. He's faithful. And in the third place, confidence is the assurance that the one who loves us is powerful, strong, mighty to overcome all our enemies. And therefore, beloved, trust turns to the cross. The cross. There in that cross is the manifestation of the love of God to usward. Rather than that we should perish, he gave his only begotten son. That cross, beloved, is the revelation of a love of God that never changes. Because it is the revelation of a love of God that loved us when we were yet sinners. And therefore we know that no matter how weak and no matter how unfaithful we are, and no matter how often we sin, our sins and the weakness of our flesh will never cause that good Jehovah who loves us in our Lord Jesus Christ and who loved us even unto death to turn from us. We may turn. He never turns. Finally, that cross is the manifestation of such a mighty love. For in the cross is revealed a power greater than death and the grave and all the power of sin and darkness and hell itself. He conquered it and it's sealed in the resurrection. 
trust, beloved, is childlike confidence in that God. And my text says, He knows them that trust in Him. Knows them. Knows them with a the knowledge of love. Knows them with a determining knowledge. He knows us because He chose us. And He knows us and all our circumstances and all our way as well as our end. And therefore, there is no danger that He will ever cast us out, beloved. He has a place for us in His stronghold, that absolutely safe stronghold. And He calls you and me by His Spirit and Word, enter by faith, trusting in Him and in Him only. Enter into that stronghold until all the calamities of this present time be overpassed, then you shall be blessed. Amen.